Hi everyone, uh, Josh from the future here. Uh, because I'm using a new laptop, uh, I didn't have it set up very well, so my audio is not very good, but the audio of my guest, uh, Grant Howard, is beyond lovely, just like his personality, really. Uh, so uh, do apologize for that. Please listen through. Everything should be fixed for next time. And hey, uh, also, we should be back with our actual play stuff really, really soon. Probably uh, next week or so. Alrighty, uh, be good, love each other, etc. Now listen, cheers. Hi everyone, welcome to Better Hopes and Dungeons, where I don't have anything funny to say. Although, I know every time I intro this podcast, I'm getting closer and closer to just doing what Robert Evans does, and just yelling syphilis as loud as I can. Um, it's, it's an idea. Yeah, I mean, what's cracking my peppers was the best intro he ever had, and I'm, I'm considering it. <laughs> Um, I guess more people have syphilis than play Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, in, in, in terms of in terms of cornering your audience, you're anyway, anyway. Sorry, introduce me. Sorry. We could go with STDs and dragons. There ST, we go. STD and D. There we go. We got both people. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, joining me is um, a, a, someone that I've had on before, and I'm in wonderful levels of awe of um, the one, the only, the wonderful Grant Howard. Grant, how are Hello. you? Hello. Hi there. I am present. I'm <laughs> conscious. This year has been has been knocking me around like a brick at a tumble dryer, um, but we have finally managed to uh, to get out. To, we finally managed to get our shit together enough to do a Kickstarter. So uh, I'm back on the podcast Grant, circuit. To um to kind of I guess uh, expand on that metaphor, the tumble dryer mm. may throw the brick around, but that brick is going to wreck that tumble dryer shit. You know, I, 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 I would love to I would love to imagine that I'm doing as much harm to, to 2020 as it is doing to me. So, so, so yeah. hopefully I'm going to leave the world with more scars than it leaves on me. We'll see. One of you, yeah. one, between you and 2020, one of you is going to end in one and a half months. <laughs> That's a threat, 2020. Your days are quite literally numbered. Bring it, you coward. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I've I've been spending a great deal of time indoors writing role playing games, which is, I suppose, what I'm supposed to be doing. I think it's what a lot of us want to do. There's been some great Kickstarters this year, and, and um, yeah. on that note, you've got one. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really cool one too. Uh, you you mm. passed me a, a preview copy to, to read over, um, mm. and I have done my best uh, to read over it on the train. Um, <laughs> Can you please tell me about this? Because I don't want to like yeah, just yeah, sure, sure, what sure. I think. I want yeah, because I'm in love with it. But yes, okay, no worries. Um, so the so we're 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 kickstarting a reprint and redesign of Unbound. Unbound is a game which we put out in we kickstarted in 2017 or 2016. I can't remember which. It was one of those years. And we uh, it is a rules light, cinematic, pulpy, combaty genre fiction settingless role-playing game which is all about building the world with the you build the characters and the world and then you 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 have these really sort of big exciting fights and you go and build some more characters in the same world uh we kickstarted it once but because we were a fledgling company at that point we forgot to like do any more copies than than the ones that people i think we had like 20 extra copies which makes it quite hard to sell them uh, yes. After the fact, so we uh, we've had roughly one person a week get in touch with us and say, "Oh, um, why can't I get a printed copy of Unbound?" And up until now, the answer was, "There is one cafe in East London who happens to have a copy on their <laughs> shelf because they bought it off me when I was living nearby and tried to resell it." Uh, but now you can get a physical copy of Unbound through the Kickstarter. It is the least exciting Kickstarter we have done. I, uh, in that it, it is simply a reprint. I, I do want to point out, there's going to be someone, or maybe a group of someones, who get together to undertake a pilgrimage or some kind of quest-like mm. event to find that cafe and to oh, buy that book. Mate, mate, it's already happened. A guy posted on Twitter, like, I, I posted on Twitter about it, and then this other chap who doesn't live in London was like, does anyone who does anyone who lives in London can they can they go and get me the book, please? And so like there was this chain of people set up to go and buy it, but it's gone now. Yeah, it's sold. Was that was that and that happened in twenty twenty? Uh, year before, I believe. Yes, it happened. It happened uh, in, in twenty nineteen, I believe. 
It is right. Yeah, it's a really inspiring message for the human spirit. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, mm. I assume it's called Unbound because uh, it's not bound to a single setting. Uh, actually, it's a uh, it's a it's a commentary on the shoddy binding from the first edition. No, that's, um, that's it's, it is it is because it is called um, it's called it's not bound to a certain setting. It was originally called Chronicle. And then White Wolf put out Chronicles of Darkness in the same year that we released it, and so we decided maybe we should just call it Unbound, without possibly realising that, that is the name of the UK's largest book crowdfunding service. It's it's also the name of a collection of short stories by Jim C. Hines, and that shouldn't that isn't really interesting. But Jim C. Hines's most popular book is called Goblin Quest, which is my first novel, which, which is my first role-playing game. So for a while, I was just naming my books after books which which popular author Jim C. Hines had written. I've never met him, never spoken to him. I just keep naming my books after the, my my upcoming role-playing game is going to be called a short autobiography of Jim C. Hines. At, at some point, like that small shrine that you're building to Jim C. Hines is going to say <laughs> Jim C. Hines. You'll just oh, it's, up it's, one it's, day it's more of a homunculus. Yeah, it's it's more like a little Jim C. Hines I've made out of other people's hair and skin. But I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great. Then I can eat him and gain his power. Yes, the, the day you uh, actually no, get some it, of his hair, you'll you'll own him for eternity. <laughs> yeah, it is it is a uh, it is indeed a, a nod to the fact that it is settingless. There is no uh, inferred setting within the book, which was a real challenge to do. It, it is um now I like I said I had a flick through. Um, one of the ways this mm. differs from a lot of other TTRPGs is this doesn't use dice. No. Uh, mm. It uses playing uses cards. cards. Yeah. Mm. And I, when I was reading through, I thought, that's actually super cool. It's it's weird. It's a weird thing because like, there's something... I... I, I really like it. I like the way that, that you get dealt your cards and then there's an element of tactical choice over which ones you apply to which actions. So you have a you have a hand of cards, uh, which kind of, it, it lets you feel a bit competent, I think. It lets, it lets you feel like, like you have slightly more mastery over the world. Hmm. Um, but there is something quite strange about cards uh, when compared to dice. Dice are this um, these really sort of powerful ritualistic object which players use to interact with this imaginary world. The GM doesn't need them. The GM can sculpt things however they want and decide whatever they want to happen. But when a player acts in something as classic or iconic as Dungeons and Dragons, when they roll that dice, that's them saying, right, I'm trying to do this. Hmm. And then this thing happens. Or it doesn't happen. And so there's this really strong sort of um, casting the bones, consulting the fates, this ritualistic, iconic thing you're doing when you throw that. You enter the possibility space, then come out of it. Whereas cards have a much uh, looser, woollier space, whereas I have this deck of cards, I, I, I have this deck of results, I have these limited deck of results, then where I choose to play them affects that. Hmm. And so it takes it, it, takes it into a more uh, collaborative, uh, gamier sense of uh of play rather than rather than the uh the the pure randomness of dice i think which is an interesting challenge and why i think a lot of people don't end up using it and you play with a hand of cards is that correct well two you play okay. like your hand is two cards well, and you choose where to it, put them but it's not um but it's more than none well it's actually pretty cool because the part of the rules is if you're proficient with a thing the card counts as an automatic 10, which means that you mm. go from being so much reliant, uh, reliant rather on like random chance, you almost mm. become like a director, uh, mm -hmm. which allows for, I think, in some ways, a far more nar a strong narrative experience mm. because you can even choose when to fail. Mm. And that's cool. And that's that's um, one thing, one, one thing which, which we really tried to, uh, to emulate with it. So Unbound is primarily a combat game. Uh, mm. it's, the, it's the first sort of... So Goblin Quest was the first game which I wrote uh, and put out seriously. And it is a, it's, uh, that, that's very much a story game. That's very much a, uh, a, basically a, uh, a choke point, a pacing mechanic for, for narrative. And Unbound is much more tactical. It comes from... So, so, so Chris Taylor and I wrote... Chris Taylor's obviously my permanent writing partner now, who I do everything with. Um, but uh, we, were, we were in New York... Well, sorry, I, I, I was in New York at the time. Uh, I, I just moved over there um, with my partner's work, and I was dreadfully sad and dreadfully lonely, and Christopher was living with his folks in the middle of nowhere. 
And so he was also dreadfully sad and dreadfully lonely. We decided we'd write a game together. And we were playing a great deal of um, Secret World, which is an MMO. And we really enjoyed the positioning, uh, the ability building, the combinations uh, uh, in, in, in Secret World, which were free from, free, free from things of class uh, in terms of, oh, you're a fighter, so you do this. It was much looser. There was like, it, was, it was all focused around sort of outputs rather than uh, classes or hierarchies. And that was really cool. Uh, and so we tried to adapt that into a into a role playing game. Hmm. And what we've what we like, I think what we ended up with something like uh, so fourth ed is often accused so fourth ed D and D is often accused of playing like an MMO. And I can see why people would say that because it has a lot of similar um, overtones. But I think with with Unbound we went for something similar but made it much more loose, much more uh, interpretive. And we were after something where we had a cinematic style of combat in as much as, um, you know, like your feng shui's, your wushu's, your uh, exalted's, where there's big, exciting things happening and, and, like, and that you, you, give your, you give your players um, free reign to describe cool stuff happening. But also we wanted a tactical viability in that where it was like, well, actually, am I going to push this target back? Am I going to move to this area? Am I going to shoot? Am I going to strike? That sort of thing. Uh, rather than simply, oh, I... I roll my effect dice and have X effect on the game, and I think we, I think like the balance we ended up with, I'm really satisfied with because you get this quite exciting, tense combat where it's not, it's not entirely clear whether you're going to win or lose at any time, uh, but also you have the capability and the you're given the license to skin it how you want, to create it how you want. The abstraction is there so that you can do these cool things. And the mechanics don't, unlike say Pathfinder or something, where you would have to physically have to represent the mechanics. Uh, you have to represent physical actions within the mechanics. You there's a, there's a big fictional space in Unbound, uh, like a big zeppelin, which is a, which which is carrying everything along. And then the mechanics are sort of hang on, maybe the mechanics would be the. Ze I don't know how zeppelins work, but it's good, is what I'm saying. I I, I will say I. Like listening to what you talk and, and reading through, like there mm. are areas there where you give examples of like play and examples of ideas, and the annoying thing is I want to play in all of those <laughs> cool worlds, Grant. <laughs> you bastard! Um, it was so much fun, geez. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like there's a part where guys like flying ruining crusted hecatomb arcana pistols, and I thought. Yeah. I want those because that sounds yeah, like right? an amazing combination of like Warhammer 40k Inquisitor, mm. cowboy, like, and, 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 and like, you know, ninja cowboy shit. Mm. And I didn't know I needed that in my life until, until I read that grant. So thank you for that. That's okay. Like, we, um, we operate. Uh, so, one of the things which I was. Uh, this is going to be an unusual crossover, but I learned a lot about role playing and also writing role playing settings when I was training to be a Mexican wrestler, which is an unusual crossover. But for a while, because I used to be a journalist, I went and did a report on some Mexican wrestling, uh, on a Mexican wrestling school, like a, like a, like a Lucha Libre school. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I ended up sort of joining and going along for a bit, and uh, I was absolutely dog shit at it. I was really bad. Uh, I had no natural rhythm. Uh, I landed on my neck a lot. It was a bad scene. And so, uh, but in addition to the whole sort of uh, learning how to throw each other and learning how to look like you've been punched and that sort of thing, and how to, and, and how to land not anywhere but on your neck, we were taught about... Um, about about how to present yourself and how to how to enter a room and what sort of uh, and like when you have a a pitch to an audience what you what you uh, what you need to do in that case and the like in in say like WWE or like like the big popular uh, wrestling um, things they've got um, like the characters who are popular in that. Compared to Lucha Libre, they're quite subtle. They're quite complex. Like they'll they'll, they'll be like, oh well, this guy um, is uh, is angry at this other guy, and he uh, he really believes that the belt should have been won by this guy over here. So he's fighting bad, but he was married to this other wrestler back in the. Whereas in Lucha Libre, it's like this guy's a werewolf. Go, and it's like because you don't have like you don't have cameras. 
you don't have um, like off like backstage stuff to do. There's no other ways of telling a story aside from you walk out there. You've got an audience of maybe three hundred people who are all drunk and, and 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 ready to watch a fight, and you've got ten seconds to sell yourself. Otherwise, they don't care about you. And one of the great things about writing for Unbound is we got to do that over and over and over, because it's like the the the, the whole sort of uh, it's it's a gelt dime spinner with a hecatune pistol yes, shooting yes. Um, like 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 uh, mystic ninjas yeah, yes. yeah and like there's nothing else there's no deeper meaning behind the hecatune pistols I'm like that sounds like a cool word throw it in. And like and like uh, and like we we carry it so that we use Gelt Dime Spinner um, and their various um, like their I think there's like Roxario Blast is a friend of theirs and like the like the the um, the arcologies of Carcosa um, and we keep mentioning these things and sort of like just like hinting at this vast and really like plastic um, sci-fi world. Which we don't have to explain any more of. We don't yeah. need to know how Hecatune pistols are made or even what they are. I know. And that's, just, that's, that's the just, great thing about Unbound. You just had the coolest combination of words you could think of. And it's like, yeah. Hecatune Arcana pistols. Yes. Yeah. And everyone's like, go, whatever. Yeah, it does something. We, like, we don't need to explain. And so, like, because we've got all these mechanics in place and you put the fluff on top, Unbound's really good for that because you can, you can have this. It's a Hecatune Arcana pistol. Okay, cool, sure. And you can work out what that does later on down the line. We don't have to explain that. We don't have to say, oh, the Hecatu Marcana pistol was invented in 1746 by Lord Hecatu Marcana. Uh, we, 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 just, we just get to the fun bit. Um, which means that it's, I will say, it's a nightmare to try and sell. Like, trying to sell uh, a, a, a book where there's no setting, where there's no, like, and, and, where, and where it's like, oh, what kind of stories can I tell? Oh, well, anything. Yeah, it's it's got the if, it's got the early form Minecraft problem, which is before you know what the hell mm, you're doing. It's like okay, here's the universe. Oh, and, mm, and what do you want me to do? I don't know. Oh, make yeah. sure you're inside by nighttime because that's when the, <laughs> the zombies come out. Okay. Yeah, skeletons will arrive. Now giving me a call to adventure. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's it was a real challenge the first time around trying to sell them back. Yeah, like I can't like. I, I, I'm going to level. There's a good chance that I'm going to be throwing some money at this. Good. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> like, re- reading through, this, there's a couple of things I, I mean, I, I really, really loved. Um, I, well, part of me actually thought, you know, th- there's potential for merchandise in there with, like, you know, custom, like, sets of playing cards. Ah, uh, you, you could have, you? you could have the <laughs> Deckard deck. The wrong looking ah, deck, like deck art. So the uh, like you, we we've Chris had this discussion and, a and lot. The business partner whose name I can't remember because I'm not a good. That's oh, Mary. Thank you. Sorry, right. that doesn't make you a bad person. That's fine. Um. So the uh, the 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 thing is, man, we've had a lot of discussions about this. Like we re- like, and, and for the first Kickstarter, we had a um, we had a, a deck of playing cards printed, which had all of the art from the book on it. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, in Unbound, you write on the playing cards, and you um, cool. You've got like, a legacy system. You write on the playing cards. You have one per character, and then 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 at the end, when that character's gone, you just throw those cards into a hedge. Those cards are done now. They're away. Maybe the GM can keep hold of one word which they write on their next deck. Yeah. But we did not build in a legacy system. If we had, oh mate, if we had, oh we could sell so many cards. But no, they're two. very disposable. <laughs> we had a, we had a ba- we had a bash it version too. We had a bash it dice system for a while. Um, and like I think oh, part of the reason why it's taken us. No, I know, I know. I know. The, the, the part of the reason why it took us it took us so long. Um, to come out with a with a second printing it was one like we were focusing on Spire and Heart. And we had various new things which we were doing, but also the uh, I think I I wanted to make it so oh I want to make it so it's easy to play online and people are like oh is there a version we can play with dice I want to use dice and so I kept trying to work out a way to make it work with d20s or with dice dice pools or what have you and it just didn't feel right um, and so like rather than rather than committing ourselves to a uh, like like t- to a reprint or to pushing it more, we just sort of said, oh, well, we'll just sort of just let it, just just, just put it over to the side for a while. And actually, it's a really snacky system and it's really fun. It really it really empowers people to make these really cool worlds. 
um, and we just sort of I think I, I was I was perhaps a little disillusioned with it and I and like when I was when I was working more on Spire and Heart and I was more like oh I want to I want to I want to create a world I want to bring people into this environment and part of being a game designer is trusting people to make their own environments and giving them the tools to tell their own stories and I think I think hopefully this this can still do that because I mean when I was reading through like I was thinking this would be in a lot of ways this reminds me of Blades in the Dark if okay okay bear, bear with me um yeah yes rare <laughs> nice um <laughs> very good I bet I'm you can bear with me um, if if say uh John Harper had simply like brought out the Forged in the Dark system and just mm. said, here's the Forged in the Dark system, here's an example of a setting, mm. bugger off and go do what you want. I, I would have thought, yeah. okay, cool. Because in some ways that reminds me, because um, when, I, when I chatted to him, he told me that, you know, look, people have made Star Wars settings, it's called Scum and Villainy. Mm. Um, people have made like a, like a Dune setting, and I don't remember what it's called. And I just thought, yeah, you could absolutely build a dune setting for this you mm. could absolutely build absolutely, yeah. um a, I, and, and my brain actually went to you could make a really really cool swords fall setting for this and brandon Dixon oh yes that's the, yeah. is the kind of guy who would like he would have swords fall like decks of cards coming out and they'd look beautiful and i just thought oh has that got rules yeah swords fall i've stopped following it has he put out the rules for that yet, or is it still he's, a source book? It's just a, it's still just a source book. He's been teasing okay. that he's going to bring out players and have them like a like like a playtest group, but he's saying, "Look, I would have high standards." And it's like he also does write books, and he did bring out a game. Um, okay, the, what's the game? Uh, Summit of Kings. It's essentially a rap battle TTRPG. Though you do not. Oh, it's it, pretty cool. All right. you, you don't need to do lyrics for things. Yes, that, that's an okay. extra. I Actually, totally I, would I, have, I should look that up. That sounds pretty good. I'd be terrible at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, stuff that I liked was the building of the world as well. It's like it's mm. like it's like you're playing microscope, but you're actually playing a game. Mm. Because there's that collaboration where the players are all say building a world, as is the game master. Mm. And I thought that was really really cool. Like because you've got everyone building a narrative mm. and that's cool because that leads to like you know far more interesting choices and everyone's got a buy-in absolutely yeah and but, like, it leads to not only interesting choices but player engagement as well yeah. um like the the excitement of a session zero when unbound is really powerful because everyone's everyone's mm. got a stake in it it's not just like oh, I'm playing a ranger. I'm gonna go save some princesses or what have you. Like you, you've built part of this. Like when you answered the questions uh, about your character, you're you're contributing things to the world, which I think is honestly one of Unbound's greatest weaknesses is that you can't just phone it in. It doesn't work. If you've got a player who just wants to turn up and throw some dice around and tell a story um, about a really like straightforward Dungeons and Dragons thing, like there's definitely times in my life. A lot of recent times, even where I've been like, I don't, I don't want to really do anything, especially deep. I want to, I want to go kill some goblins in a cave and st steal some boots, that sort of thing. It doesn't work for that. You can't just relax into it. It's much, it's much more sort of, it's much more of an active um, thing, which I think can be a barrier to entry for some people. Uh, but mm. that's 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 kind of the that's, that's kind of the breaks. I I, I want to I would go say to... every game has barriers to entry. Oh, certainly, yes. So, um, but I, 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 of course, um, I think there's, there's something which, which I want to flag. Um, you were chatting earlier about the about how John Harper was saying how about how, how John Harper could have released um, Blades in the Dark as just the Forge in the Dark system and then gone from there. Hmm. It was a challenge which we really faced with Unbound, um, and like earlier drafts of the book had more setting in, in as much as. Um, the uh, the the roles are kind of like the character classes in like combat terms. We used to have little bits of fiction, little bits of uh, setting and fluff before every power in those, and we ended up cutting them out because they were interesting and they made the book more fun to read. But they kept inferring setting, hmm. and everything we do contributes to a setting. And what, one thing which we, we want to be really careful about was not saying, okay, here's the default setting of unbound now 
in yeah. reality, the default setting of Unbound is kind of science fantasy. It just always ends up there. I don't know why. I think it's something to do with the touchstones table we wrote, but it always makes science fantasy games, and they're always fun, but that's what they are. However, we wanted to give people the opportunity to play any any genre, like any sort of uh, role-playing, any sort of setting they wanted, as long as they're doing this pulp, um, uh, big, swingy combat. Um, and so it was, it was a conscious decision we made to cut out as much of the setting as possible. Um, and it was a really difficult one, because when you start putting a setting in, like the things which people are excited about, the, like, the things which people take away from Unbound aren't necessarily that, oh, there was this power which lets you push someone when you attack them. But it's the Hecatomb pistols. It's the guy who demolished the moon to, uh, to uh, sorry, he, he blew up a sun to build a car park. It's, uh, it's all these sort of neat little sidelines bits. And those are the things which people take away with them because those are the narratives, those are the things which people latch onto. But in trying to keep it pure, we set ourselves a really... We set ourselves a big challenge. And I think, hopefully, I think we delivered on it. Yeah. Sorry, um, I, uh, I, I've had to turn my camera off because it's, it's just roboting very hard. Um, oh, I'm very sorry. I'll turn mine off as well. I'll make cool. sure I'm, I, I, I'm just really hoping... That has had no effect on the uh, recording because um, otherwise I've got one hell of a good job ahead of me. Um, <laughs> now the other thing is, um, you know, that this is essentially a game where you don't play a campaign; you play a saga. You, you play an adventure mm. in the world, and then you move on to the next adventure. And part of me thought that's mm. actually really great too, because like you've got the potential for a rolling GM system, mm -hmm. which is great, except that time when your friend who was supposed to GM says, oh, I'm really sorry, guys, I can't make those sessions. Uh, and then you, of course, skip their turn because, you know, you, you still want to play and then, funnily enough, they're available again, dickhead. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but I kind of have this in my head where you could have, like, one session and then the next GM says, okay, but that world ended, and all of those previous characters are now the gods, are the perceived Ooh. gods of the next world. Absolutely. And I thought, oh, damn, that's. It's um, it's it's a one of the one of the things we noticed with uh, role playing games is the traditional format of running a role playing game is forever. Is that you turn up and you are expected to play, you're expected to pretend to be an elf with people maybe you don't know very well, broadly forever, but for like a year, maybe? For mm. lots of lots of levels. And it's a long time. It's a long um it's a challenge. And also like from from a social point of view, it's hard it's hard to commit to that. But also from like a pacing point of view, um, quite often by the time like if you start at first level and you bump up to like seventh, you've kind of told that character's story. You've mm -hmm. examined that arc, and a lot of role-playing games say don't come, like, they don't have, I mean, I'll say Unbound's pretty similar, is that characters don't necessarily get worse or change, they just get, like, more powerful. They just, like, they might, they might have more options, they might just add bigger numbers to their to hit rolls. But it doesn't make for a very satisfying long-term narrative. Yeah. And so what we, what we want to do with... By the time you've got to level 7, you've dethroned and attacked God, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Um, and so you like you run out of places to go narratively and often fictionally, and so what we wanted to do was offer a a default like short burn campaign. So you're looking about five six sessions, mm. and you're telling you're telling like like here's here's what we're doing. Here's the story. Here's the exciting bit. We're skipping to the end, and we're just telling like we're just doing the. It's it's quite filmic as it were. Like mm. when you start playing, what you're doing is already established. Like your like your your mission, as it were, your goal, your character goal for those for those six sessions is already laid out, and then what you're doing is is uh, is seeing what happens along the way. But the uh, but because you've put all this effort into exploring the world, and because we really wanted to encourage uh, one of the things which which I which I really rail against is the idea of uh, monocultures uh, in fiction. So like all drow do X, all humans do X. I find it really boring, quite racist and not very, uh, not very challenging. Hmm. And by taking the idea of, <coughs> pardon me, taking the idea of you've, you've established this world and you've looked at it from this one point of view. Now let's move it on in, let's move on it in, uh, in, in 
chronologically, and we'll, we'll, look, we'll look at it from different characters. Or, as you said earlier, the, the gods... Uh, the gods are the player characters from the previous game, or we we play the people who are we play our enemies in the last campaign. Um, my absolute favourite example of this is, it comes from my from from my own home campaign, which is probably why I love it so much. But we did this quite uh, it's quite pulpy, um, big sort of semi magical cyberpunk campaign about these people infiltrating a a big evil corporation. And was it was it um oh, a shadow a shadow word. Penumbra, a robber, a robber, Erebus, Erebus, something along those lines. Okay. Um, anyway, it was it was big and semi magical, and everyone died in the last scene, and it didn't go well. Um, but the uh, the follow up campaign was the same world, fifteen years later, and they played the kids, the three kids of one of the characters who died in that who died in that final scene, and seeing how after they'd failed to overthrow, it was Orpheus, it was not, it wasn't Penumbra, it was Orpheus, after Orpheus had, had basically taken over a large part of the world, they were playing in the sort of, um, they're playing teen resistance fighters um, against the same forces that their parents had failed to stop. And, like, there was no, like, it was all, it was all fairly non-lethal, it was all fairly scrappy, and then there was this really cool dramatic scene where all three of them gathered, gathered around the same rifle and got their first kill in the back of, a, of an APC. And it was really powerful, and it was only so powerful because we had the opportunity to sketch out other parts of the world. Uh, and the means to do so with an Unbound as well. And that's something which, I... as you said with, um, with Microscope earlier, yeah. Um, I really, I really respect micro- Microscope for that, for the way that it's like, okay, go over here, do this. Okay, now flash forward, flash back. Uh, but in terms of um, actual mechanics, I think it's really nice to have something where we can have this big storytelling, big sort of, here's an idea and here's a thing. And then to take those and give them an, an output through mechanics gives us something that I think as humans and as people who play games, that scratches an itch which just uh, world building doesn't quite deliver. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things I was waiting for you to say is then we had the huge dramatic <laughs> moment where they confronted their parent who didn't actually die. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were all dead. Okay. Um, yeah, but, you know, what... one of them had their, 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 their um, brainwaves copied. Oh, yeah, oh, no, that happened. That happened, yeah. Okay, cool. There was a digital witch who downloaded her dad. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he he only what was it like he didn't have any long term memory. So every time every time she turned him on, it was like he was waking up for the first time. It's heartbreaking. Oh. <laughs> it's fun and on. like <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, we we, we want to give people the opportunity to tell stories yeah. like that. Like there's a really cool thing in there called the Fates. Um, which mm. is like, it's an excellent narrative push that just says Thank you. make those interesting choices, but not one person does it. And it's great, mm. but you also have safety tools in there saying, "Hey, uh, look! If the person says, hey, look, I'm, I'm not feeling this. I'm not okay with this.' Mm. How about you work out something else?" And I thought, I'd kind of love it if that was the unspoken, unwritten rule. If we all just understood that. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Like, I like. I think in a lot of groups, it is a lot of groups. Um, like, I'd say, I'd say the majority of groups, the role playing they're doing and the social um, structures they already have established, hmm. they don't require safety tools. Like for a lot of my groups, I, 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 I don't, I don't have and don't need safety tools or, uh, or like discussions of lines and veils and stuff, hmm. um, because I'm playing with old friends. We know each other. We know our limits. We know what we're into, and we're doing quite light role playing without difficult topics. But I think it's nice to give people the opportunity to say, look, if you want to, if you want to play hard, if you want to talk about difficult things, if you want to have this, if you want to to, to be free to push like to push the limits, to, to push the boundaries, mm-hmm. but have safety tools in place so you so so you're not going to hurt people, so people don't feel trapped, people have the vocabulary around to uh, to 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 say, oh, actually, I'm not comfortable with this. Um, that's 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 not only valuable but required, I think. Um, so uh, mm. I think ever since writing Unbound, I, I'm always like I, I do lines and veils with every group I do now. So it's like, well, I don't have this in my game. I won't allow this. Is if there's anything you won't allow, talk, talk about it now. Or like if it comes up, let me know. I always have an X card yeah. at the table, and like I find that it's a much, it's a much. I, I feel much safer role playing in that way. That I've given people the option to say, hey, actually, I don't like this. 
means mm-hmm. that I'm not I'm not worried. Like, oh, am I doing it right? Oh, am I upsetting people? You know? Yeah. No, I'm 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 pretty similar. Like we uh, okay. At the tables where I play, where I'm not reporting anything, we. I think we've never really had to bring them out. Like we know each other fairly well. We've always mm-hmm. had a pretty open thing with each other, mm. and yeah, I mean we've always. But at the same time, like we've had an understanding. It's like, look, if something does come up, then it's going to be, like, talked about, and then we're all going to. We're all probably going to go get a cup of tea and then come back, and it'll be fine. Um, mm. But but when I run a. Um, a professional game um, mm. and I've done I've got one or two things where I've done that I, I, I bring it out and say look this is the one like there's the, here are the things I'm not okay with mm. is this going to be a problem for the group and so far no one has said yes <laughs> absolutely yeah I, I think like at that point it's almost like a it's almost like a shithead test so I say look I'm not like there's going to be no sexual assault in this game and no children are going to be harmed. Everyone's like, mm, I don't know about yeah, this. Two. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, those those are my two. No sexual assault, no kids get harmed. Now, I'm like, okay, it's okay if a child falls over. That's fine. But no like no 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 no, no serious harm to children, no sexual assault. So from that yeah, Will's your oyster, my, mate. Mine, mine's no gratuitous harm to children. It's like, look, if a village gets destroyed, yeah, yeah like, they don't yeah. magically all survive. But, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. We're not going to yeah. show the child getting ripped to pieces by wolves. Exactly. And Yeah, 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 yeah precisely. Yeah. But, it, it, but, but sometimes it is funny when children fall out the window, as episode one of Game of Thrones proves. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then no, I don't remember. I don't remember much about that show. I just remember the child fell out the window. That's about. That's about it. Exactly. <laughs> oh yes, yes. That yes. That was. That's slightly less funny now. I remember it now. Okay. Yes. But he did become king. So you know. Did he? Yeah. Well, well, well. Good for him. Yeah. Quite I the art. I Wasn't he in a sled for a while? I just kept up with it because I was online and there yeah. it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he had the haircut, I seem to remember, and like a, like a bird. Anyway. The raven, the three-eyed raven. I read the books. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast where two men who've not watched Game of Thrones are going to attempt to recount it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a rewatch podcast, except we don't watch it. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a funny podcast. Can we... How much of this can we talk about having... Can we elaborate? Only just, like, going through the Twitter <laughs> things of it and people yelling at other people about it. That'd be great. Oh, God. Um, uh, no, I'm, I, I, I have other questions, um, as, <laughs> as, as, as I do. Um, no, actually, a few observations, I guess. Um, now, the, the art in this thing is beautiful. Mm. It, it's just bloody stunning um mm. and there's some pieces of art where you just like they are standout iconic like there's what i'm calling cthulhu sheriff yes cthulhu sheriff the shadow art i believe is the one you're referring to yes okay yes yeah. i think this also says a lot about the book where the art itself actually gives you the like an idea of the archetypes like you you put it like you mm. put a lot of archetypes in there like um Give me a second. Can Josh find the book in a few seconds flat from where he had it in front of him? No. Um, you know, like you, you've got... Um, I, I do also want to say, I love the Gorilla Gorilla uh, reference. I thought that was mm, great. Very funny. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, the other art thing I loved uh, that I wrote, that I made sure to write down that I can't do because we've got mm. cameras off was Office Batman picture. Mm, yes, the, uh, the temp. Yes. Oh, the attempt. That's that's that's, that's 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 that character's name. Yes, it's 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 it's, it's the temp. Um, uh, it's it's a superhero which I which I worked on for a while. Um, like, but for a while because I, I was a temp for a long time. Um, thankless task. Can't can't recommend it at all. That that um, does explain but... the glasses and the haircut the guy has. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was, I was the, I, I always used to play a super superhero called the Temp Temporal, who was a, uh, a temporary office worker with the with with very limited control over time, and it was yeah. so limited he got very angry, and so that was why the Temp ended up um, as the. Uh, but yes, we have archetypes certainly. I think one thing which we wanted to do was um, the same thing with Spire because it's the same artist uh, on both Adrian Stone, who's an incredible artist. Yeah, that, this um, work is just we, like. Just flicking through this, if this doesn't give you ideas of like settings to play in, then then there is. I I'm going to suggest 
maybe you maybe games aren't for you <laughs> we we really wanted to avoid having too much detail in the drawings uh, so mm. adrian's got quite a quite a scrappy not scrappy um like abstract bold almost brutalist sharp style in it to his yeah, art and we want we want to double down on that. Edgy, it's great mm. Um, and so, like, um, Inspire uh, this is slightly more detailed, but in Unbound, we kept it. We kept it very loose and very abstract and very bold because every picture we, every picture you see in the book, we want. I want people to be able to imagine the rest of the details, so they can they can put themselves in that world. Hmm. Um, and also, the less detail we put in, the less of a setting that we we communicate yeah. so like while there are like there's definitely sets so, so there's like there's characters who make repeated uh, appearances so there's like there's like the, the the office batman the superhero there's uh the the eye patch lady from the unbound uh, from the uh outlaw drawings um there's uh the chap from the wild art as well like there are a few characters who crop up at various points through the book but the, but for most of it it is this is an entirely new thing go um, and Adrian did such an incredible job uh, in terms of mm. like because we don't really we we never learn how to brief artists and we don't know anything about um, like composition. So we, we sent him over the book and we're, uh, and we're like, yeah. So uh, can you do us a, a thing for Mighty Weapon, please? For Mighty, yeah. I guess like draw someone with a Mighty Weapon. All right, mate. See ya. And then he just sort of and he came back with it. And it was it's always really tremendous to it's always really fun to be able to communicate to a to, to an artist and say yeah. here's how we want it to feel here's the rules here's the stuff please we trust you make something which accentuates this and we'll 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 hang back we won't try and micromanage you because if I knew what if I knew how to do art then I wouldn't be hiring artists and I don't so yeah. I'd much rather trust it to someone who's I, got I, I, uh, skills in that department. I would say your, the miniatures that you make and, and take pictures of are definitely a form of art. Although, <laughs> thank you. Well, you know, that's the thing. That's, I, that's, I that's a hobby. I call from the cowboy hats. Um, I look, mate, It's very hard to come by them. Um, I, uh, I, I, I really, I really like making models, but it's, it's very much like it's. Uh, there's artistry to it, but it's a hobby. It's something which yeah. I do for fun. It's something which I do like to not try. To not try and get better at for money, to not try and be professionally good at, it's a real calming thing. Can, can one, Which one I believe we talked about I, last time on the show. We did, and you showed me something. Yeah. I was very happy to see them. I actually, I actually I, mate, I actually still have the model I showed you unpainted on my desk in front of me. I've swapped out his legs. <laughs> I still he's, have that he's, guy. He's your, he's your shame boy. <laughs> he's my shame Oh, mate, I've got a lot of shame boys. <laughs> that, that's a class. Um, <laughs> universal shame boy. Um... <laughs> Now the uh, and and okay so with character creation, um, mm. I I love what you did there because you've got the devout, mm. um, which is great. It's like you bring light into dark places. Mm. Um, you've got magi, um, which is like you know you know stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's devout magi outlaw pact bound wild warrior, and mm. like looking at this from a through a fifth head lens. Um, mm-hmm. You've got every single, like, archetype there. Uh, absolutely, yeah. That, that was that was the that was the original um, thing because like, it started off as a fantasy game. Um, yeah. and it started off as a as fantasy heartbreaker. You can still see the mechanics of that. Like it was a dice game initially yeah. as well. And, and then you bring um, in the role, and it's like um, I think it's uh, the brawler, the dead eye, the protector, the striker, the warden. Mm. Uh, now, mm. there's, there's one thing I do want to say, and I want to say thank you for it. There is no okay. obvious bard choice, and I think that's good. Because bards are terrible. Well, the, like, well you, you can play an entire party of bards if you want. I, my, I'm powerless to stop you. But no, uh, the, the protector is the closest thing we have to a bard. Yeah, I, um, I'm just throwing shit because my dungeon master <laughs> loves bards, and that's that's oh, how oh, I, oh they're all right. How I do. Look, I, if, I think look, if, if you play a bard, you're already you're already eating a shit sandwich every time your party wades into combat. So I think we can. Yeah. We, we don't we don't need to slag them off. Yeah. Um, no, no, you'll, no, you'll note that the 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 cause there. Um, so warrior is fighter, and outlaw is rogue, and warlock is pat band is warlock, yeah, and wild is druid, and so it's just a D and D party, but focused around. Like, if anything, like it's the um, wild. Wild could also be ranger. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, like, um, um, I was like, great, that's beautiful. 
And uh, devout is paladin or cleric or yeah. you know a particularly a particularly religious uh, rogue. And I think that like the reason why we broke it down into those into those um, six six um, cores is because mm. when you play D and D traditionally, when you play any sort of fantasy role playing game, you've got okay, so we've got an ex soldier, we've got a thief. We've got a man who lives in the woods and can turn into a bear, and we've got this guy who's in a who's in a, an on again off again polyamorous relationship with Cthulhu, and together they fight crime, and it just doesn't gel. And so by giving that core, like you could like you can play a warlock in a warrior campaign, but their main shit is they're a warrior. They're they're, they're in the military. They're in this they're in this combat organization. Mm. Um, you can play a soldier in a magi campaign. But the main thing is, is that they're on a quest for knowledge, and so they might have some mag- like they'll have some magic knocking around, or they'll 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 be supported by someone else, and so you can have a traditional D and D party, but that theme really brings it together and takes and takes get gets rid of the sort of the sort of vague melange of action that you end up with in a lot of fantasy games and a lot of games where you just sort of piss about and do stuff. Yeah, we, we cut mean, to the chase. I, I also I also do want to say I love the. Um... Uh, under the brawler and the magi you've got oily muscle mage and i and i know several mm. people that i play with who'd be like that's me it's it's so hard to avoid having anyone make an oily muscle mage they're wonderful characters yeah. and i think i, th- I like I, th- I think we've had far too many bookish mages far too many, oh, i'm just going to dodder around here and smoke a frog no no, no i want a big hairless dude or a big a big muscular lady, also hairless. As much hair as you want, I don't care. I want two Zangiefs <laughs> punching magic missiles at each other. Yeah, they've got they've got the letters F I R E on one fist and B A L L. Cast fireball. Yeah, yeah, precisely. That's the. Your face, bitch. I think I, I think like by giving people like this this initial strong theme and then trusting them to work around that you can generate you can like you're not you're not bound by expectations um, of uh, of traditions. Of... Oh, oh, there we go. That's why we called it that. You're not bound by those expectations, so you can have these interesting characters. You can have these weird things, and because like with the Mexican wrestler thing, you've got six sessions to do it, and so they're not gonna like. If your concept doesn't quite work, or if it isn't interesting enough, then you've only got five sessions. And if it's like burning hot, and it's like, oh, actually, this is like this is going too fast, and I can't sustain this. Cool, you've only got five sessions. Yeah, like you've got you've got enough to explore this big, flashy plastic thing. Like we're not, we don't encourage nuanced characters. We don't encourage sort of like deep relationships um, in the book because that isn't. That is a thing which role playing games can do. It's just not what this one's about, and I mm. think that's that's something which we um, we don't say explicitly, but we certainly wrote it into the rules. Can I ask one other question? You um, can, and then I think I've got to shoot off. Okay, yeah. that's right. Uh, it's not the question I always ask. Um, now, this is this is the updated version of the original mm-hmm. game. You said yes. Um, did you manage to get the riddling pig into this one? No. No, no. Um, Christopher has Christopher has taken um, direct action against the Riddling Pig, and I fear I will not get it into any game. Uh, but that's I'm going to keep trying. I, I, would play, the, maybe... I would play the the Riddling Pig as either as a pack bound. Yeah, def- yeah. Like like you're, you're you're an agent of the Riddling Pig. Exactly. And you and like and like it's. You you drag people before it tied to chairs. Yes, yes perfect. And it, it it gives you maddening curses. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Um, uh, actually, the, I, I have another another last question. I do okay, sure. Um, is That's there okay. a chance that you and Christopher um would maybe because the only thing I, I want from this is because I I'm not as bright as I'd like to be uh, is maybe like a um a play sample podcast or stream or something. Mm. Is that something that y'all are going to look into as a as a marketing thing? Yeah, sure. Um, so we've we've recorded a session zero, with uh, so if you go to, um, let me it's, it's, if you if you search for Rowan Rook and Deckard Audio on SoundCloud, or you go to um, UnboundRPG.com, 
then you can find a link to something called Stonegrave. And Stonegrave is a it's a it's an hour and a half long uh, thing. It's like three half hour episodes, which we did with uh, me, uh, Chris, Becky Addison, who wrote Lovecraft Desk, uh, Sharang Biswas, who wrote um, Wax and Honey. Uh, sorry, sorry, Honey and Hot Wax, um, and Kieran Gillen, who wrote most comics. And, uh, and we got Rock together and did a set. Yeah. Uh, yes, and Rock Paper Shotgun and uh, Die and a wide variety of things. Lovely guy. Um, so we got together um, and we, we recorded a session zero uh, called Stonegrave, which is us doing the world creation bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't we didn't really have time or honestly inclination to run a full campaign because the other thing about Unbound is that it's very it's, it's quite a visual game. It requires battle maps. It requires everyone looking at the same things. So it doesn't quite work very well as a podcast. Um, however, if you're interested in seeing how it plays out, we also did a uh, we did a full campaign uh, on camera for the first uh, for the first uh, Unbound Kickstarter called uh, Ghost Road, which is kind of like a necromantic Mad Max, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can see oh, the entirety of that on uh, on YouTube if you Netflix search for it. if you search for Unbound Ghost Road. Uh, you can see the world creation. You can see um, I believe we go all the way up to the end. Um, uh, we have characters such as what we have one character whose weapon is a truck who she summons uh, and one character whose weapon is a rocket launcher with the um, with the ghost of her ex-husband in it which <laughs> is <just> quite cool <laughs> we've got one character whose weapon is five other men like barely anyone makes a direct attack in that game it's wonderful um, yeah, I think, so, I, yes, I, think I, I think I've got something to go listen to uh, after. Wonderful. At some point, um, great, cool. Is, is there anything further you would like to plug? Uh, no, that's it. Just uh, please go back Unbound. Um, if you want to learn more about it, you can go to you can search Kickstarter for Unbound Reprint and learn more about that there. If you're interested in seeing more of my stuff, I put out a one-page game every single month. Uh, this month's game is hopefully going to be a game about ghost hunting. Um, which has the working title October Spook Game, which hopefully I'll get into something slightly better by the time I release it. Uh, but I put out one game a month uh, and talk an awful lot about what we're doing. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at GS Howitt, uh, and you can you can learn more about what my shit is there. Excellent. Um, and I'm just looking at this, and yeah, for for the nineteen dollar dues Australian, I believe I will be doing that. So thank you, Brad. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and if people want to check my stuff out, please just go check out Nerdy People D and uh, We run an actual play uh, podcast now um, because I can't run two because I was breaking. Um, <laughs> and it's a year to take care of myself and screw it all. Um, Grant, thank you so much for your time, man. I'm I'm not a problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. And um, I look forward to uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Goodbye, listeners. Bye.